All right? So I've got a message for you today, and I'm going to challenge you a little bit because 2019 is coming to an end. How many of you can honestly say that you're all right with 2019 coming to an end? Yeah, 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 me too. 2020 is coming, though. What's your 2020 going to look like? That's a lot to say, 2020. It's going to be good. Now, here's what I want to... I'll talk a little bit more about more of this next week as well, but I will get to what I have to get to today. The title of this message is 2020. Who are you? You decide. You get to decide who you are. Do you want to overcome the world like never before? Do you want to walk in the authority that the Lord has given you? Do you want to be victorious and prosper? Okay, then. Here's what it says in 1 John 5, 5. He who, who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. You want to overcome the world? Believe Jesus is the Son of God. And I'm talking about believe. I'm not talking about, I acknowledge that there is a God. I'm talking about, that word believe means to cleave to, to follow after, and try to be like. That's the type of belief I'm talking about. So my question is, who are you and who do you want to be in 2020? Now listen carefully. You could continue to make the same decisions the same way and try to make things better on your own. But if you've ever been in the mountains, we, um, we went in the mountains of Mexico one time. We were on a missions trip. And you went around the mountain and spiraled all the way up to the top. And, you know, we started the base, and we spiled around, and we switched back and all this and that. But my wife had, God had shown her something, and she drew this picture for me. And I want you to envision a mountain with a road going around and around and around all the way to the top. However, there's one here, one road here, one road here. That road is connected by another road that intersects it. So you got a road going this way, and then there's a road that shoots up this way to the next road. Does everybody understand where I'm at? This year, you are going to come to many, many, many forks in the road in your life. And based on what you choose, God's way, your way, the world's way, your emotions way, whatever way, is going to make you do one of two things. You're either going to stay on the same road and go around that mountain again, or you're going to get closer to Christ, to the next road, and then another one, and then take the next road, and the next road, and the next road until you continue to go up and to go forward. But see, people are making decisions. Which kind of decision are you making? What do you, who do you want to be in 2020? And what do you want to be in 2020? See, we need to take the narrow path to get to the top of the mountain. That's something that you and the decisions you make are going to determine. Now listen to me very carefully. You can't be doing wrong things with the wrong people in the wrong places and think things are going to be right. You can't, but we do. I'm in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing with the wrong people, but by golly, this has to be right. Come on. You know better. So, the answer we know is Jesus. Now, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. 
So the question I have for you is another little point. Who and what do you allow to define who you are? Who and what do you allow to define who and what you are? Does your boyfriend, girlfriend, do you, do your thoughts, do your circumstances define who you are? Do your situations define who you are? Do other people define who you are? Am I, am I talking too fast for some of you? Am I, can you, you're understanding me okay? Okay, I don't want to go too fast because I get going. <clears throat> okay. Your situations, does that define you? Do other people's opinions or even your opinion of yourself define who you are? Do your past failures define you? Do your present failures define you? Who and what are you allowing to define who you are? Now, we're all spiritual. We all know the answer. But I'm going to let me go on. I'll get to that. Romans 12, chapter, chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Now, how do you do that? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You've got to renew your mind to the word of God. You remember the decisions I was talking about? These forks in the road that you're going to come to? Your mind has to be renewed to the fact that, you know what? Making my own decision, doing my thing my way, or what society, the world says I should do, is a decision that's going to define me. I need to be defined by having my mind transformed and taking the decision of Christ and going this way, his path, not my own. I walked my own way for a lot of years, and it was nothing, nothing good came of that. Now, I do want to tell you, because you choose to walk the path of Christ doesn't mean it's an easy one. The Bible says it's narrow and it's hard. But in the middle of it being narrow and hard, you can have peace and you can have joy unspeakable. You can have life, and you can have life more abundant. Because you know what? We have hope. No matter how nasty things get here, I have the hope of glory in Christ Jesus. And the worst, do you know for somebody that is a born-again believer, this is the only hell you will ever experience. For somebody that doesn't know Jesus, this is the only heaven they'll ever have. And if this is heaven, let me off. It's all about choices. So, now listen. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I'm going to encourage you, do not drag 2019 issues into 2020. There's two ways that you're going to accomplish this. You're not going to like them, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Repent and forgive. Some of you have been, I want you to ask yourself something. Some of you have been hanging on to unforgiveness for years. It's still rattling around. Guess what? It, you still think about it. It still affects you. When you think about that situation, it rises up. It's with you. It may even cause you some sleepless nights. Let me give you a clue. It's really easy. Forgive them. Well, they haven't repented. Who cares? It's for you, not for them. I forgive them. I have determined I am not dragging some things into 2019. I'm going to forget. Well, I may not forget. I'm going to forgive. And if there's things I need to repent, I'm going to repent because I'm not taking 2019 issues 
into 2020. I refuse. Let's make this a little bit more personal. I'm just going to be very transparent because that's what I am, because I'm no better than you are. I grew up broken home. I was an angry kid. Now, I wasn't an angry, destroy people. You know, I was just a, a, an angry kid. That made me an angry adult. I am choosing. I am done. I am cutting all of that anger issues off. I am not dragging any more of that around with me. I'm leaving that right here today in 2019. You say, well, that's pretty tough. No, it's really not with the Word of God. I'm going to continue to confess. I am free of any of that. Whatever it is that you're, you're struggling with, what you need to stop doing is focusing on that and start praising God for what you are. And I'm going to talk about what you are here in just a little, in a little while. Who and what are you allowing to define you? Maybe you were, as a little kid, you were called, you're stupid, you're dumb, you're never going to amount to anything, and you are allowing that still to define you today? No. What does God say you are? Focus on that. Leave the rest of it behind. Now, it's time to allow the Lord to fully transform and renew us. We need to forgive where you need to forgive, and you need to repent where you need to repent. And I'm going to stop. There's a term that I use a lot, and, I, and God's kind of correcting me, and I'm not the word police, and I don't, I'm not, listen, if you say this, it's fine with me, but there's something the Lord showed me. You know, you tell people, um, do what's in your heart. Your heart can deceive you. What we need to be saying is, do what's in your spirit. Do what the Spirit is telling you, the Spirit of God is telling you. Because your heart, my heart can be wanting this, but the Spirit of the Lord is telling me to do this. And so we need to be Spirit-led people. Well, how do you do that? Well, first of all, you, you've got to be in the Word of God because how do you know that it's the Spirit of God if you don't know the Word of God? Because the Spirit of God is not going to go outside the Word of God. It's not going to. If, if all of a sudden I feel like my heart tells me, you know what, I need another wife. First of all, as a man, I'm like, wait, 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 wait what? Are you crazy? And I stood up here and said, God told me, you better run. God, that is not God, because that's not his word. His spirit's not going to tell me to do something his word's not telling me to do. And why any man would want more than one wife is way beyond me. Woo, says the newlywed. Doesn't take long. And, and I, same, thing, same, things, same thing with wives. Same thing with wives. I mean... Carol, do you need another husband? No, thank you. One husband like one mouth is more than enough. Woo. Now, let me say, make another statement to you. You get to choose what your spiritual life looks like. You get to choose what your spiritual life looks like. Now, now listen to me. I'm going to say something that is not popular in 2019 or going forward. 2020 won't be popular either. Don't blame others for the choices you make and the consequences you suffer by that action. Don't blame the preacher because you don't like the decisions you've made and where you're at. I'm going to say that again because I really liked it. Yeah. Don't blame others for the choices you make and the consequences you suffer by that action. 
I believe that we are going to be personally very accountable this year to the Lord for what you do. The society we live in today, my mommy, my mommy put me on a cold potty when she was training me when I was three years old, and I'm traumatized, so I had to shoot 14 people. It's not my fault. Wrong. It's time to take responsibility for your spiritual life. My, what is my responsibility as a pastor? To teach you and to train you what the Word of God says so you can do the work? That work, work, I'm going to say again, work of the ministry. That means loving people, helping people. That means shoveling outside the door. If the Helping. That's what it means, helping somebody. Because if we don't do it, who's going to? I'm waiting for the sweet by and by. Well, guess what? i got to live in the nasty now and now. <laughs> you choose what your spiritual life looks like. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and and cursing. Now, this is what I love about the Lord. He says, I put this before you. Then he gives you the answer. Choose life. Not hard. It says, therefore choose life that both you and your descendants, your kids, your grandkids may live. And I want to make a statement right now that if you've got kids that are have gone off the rails, they're not on the right, right place, right path, don't give up on them. Because guess what? I'm a born-again man. I'm claiming every promise that God says, me and my children's children's yes. children are going to serve Christ. They're going to know Christ. I don't care what they look like today. I know what they're going to look like because I have a God in heaven and I'm praying and I'm believing and I'm not going to quit. I had a praying mom. Anybody in here praying mom? Don't get mom upset because when mom starts praying, things happen. She made my life miserable, praying for me. I'd call her, hey, things aren't going right. She said, well, I'm praying for you. Well, stop. <laughs> things aren't going right. Well, what do you mean they're not going right? Well, this isn't going right. Things aren't going right with my girlfriend and this and that. She's like, oh, I'm praying. <laughs> you know, and I can see her on the other phone going, It's working, yeah. What road are you going to choose? The Bible says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. So where in the Bible anywhere does it say being a Christian is going to be easy? It doesn't. It says it's going to be difficult. But there isn't a better way. But people have got themselves deceived into thinking that I have a better way. I'm a little bit with Christ and I'm a lot by myself on my own. Which, again, you can go around that mountain a thousand times until you come into the fork in the road and you choose Christ in His ways. That will take you to the next, next level. And that's where we need to be. What, what road are you going to choose? Now, here we go. Listen fast. I'm going to read these. But I'll go slow enough that everybody can understand it. I'm going back to who and what defines you. 
What are you defined by? You need to decide if you're going to be defined by the world, society, yourself, other people's opinions, your opinion, or what the Word of God has to say about you. The world, many people say this, I am unlovable. But God says you are forever loved. That is Romans 8, 38 and 39. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the power of hell can separate us from God's love. God's love is for you all the time. The, it's not his love that's the problem. It's ours. We need to love him. You got to choose him. So when you say I'm unlovable, that's a lie. You're lovable. Christ died because you're lovable. And it's, some people say I'm scarred. Well, no kidding. Look around you. Everybody in here is broken, been scarred, been hurt, been destroyed, been shattered. But God says you are healed. But he was in Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. See, people say, I'm weak, but God, he makes us strong. Psalms 18.32, God arms me with strength, and he makes my way perfect. He makes our, our way perfect. We're not our way. That's who you are. That's who you are. See, well, I'm just too weak. No, you are not. You are strong in Christ. Now, people say, yeah, I know, I'm a sinner. God says you're forgiven. Let me, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read 1 John 2, 12, and I'm going to talk about it. I'm writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. Now, let me ask you something. Why do you continue to focus on what your sin is and your failures might be? Quit dragging those around. Why aren't you focused on what Christ did for you and what he did in you and what he's doing through you rather than all your failures? Why is it, and I believe this with all my heart, one of the reasons we deal with so much depression and anxiety and this and that and the other is because people get so focused on, I did 10 things, and of those 10 things, I did one wrong. And all they focus on is that one thing. I did this wrong, I did this wrong, I did this wrong, I did this wrong. And there's nine things you did great. Focus on those great things. Work on that other one. But quit focusing on, well, I'm just a dirtbag, worm crawling, mite snipping, no good for nothing, crawl on my belly, sinner. You are the righteousness of Christ. In him, if you're in him, you're the righteousness of Christ. I'm not a sinner anymore. Now, I may sin, but I'm not, that's not what identifies me. I'm identified as a child of the living God. Now, that ought to make you shout if none of that does. Because, you know, the thing of it is, is like, and when, when you're his kid, he protects you. He provides for you. He does all these things. You know, I have kids. When they come to me, and, you know, my son, he's an adult. He's, he's married. He's, but when he comes to my house, he's still got my name. Anything in my house is his. I'll protect him. I'll help him. Whatever I got to do. My daughter, same thing. Kingdom of God's the same way. You're his. He's going to take care of you. When my kids make a mistake, 
I don't shoot them. And I don't say, you're cut off. You're not a Hester anymore. No, I say, get it right. They say, I'm sorry. Okay, you're forgiven. Let's get on with it. I don't, I don't boot them out of the family. You're forgiven. You are forgiven. Some of you need to hear that again. You are forgiven. Some of you need to forgive yourselves. And then stop doing that stupid thing over and over and over and over. I had to throw that in. I was abandoned. But God says, I'm adopted. In Ephesians 1.5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Now, you've ever been from a broken home and, and, and there's things like this, but we've got a family in the church in Cedarville that they've adopted children, and maybe some of you have adopted children. Can you imagine a child, the rejection a child feels when they get left and they're in wherever they're at, and then all of a sudden a family comes and said, I see so much value in you. I see so much worth in you. I want to take you and adopt you and make you part of my family, and I want to take care of you, and I want to love you, and I want to help you, and I want to get aggravated with you, and I want to do all the things to, to make you feel a part. Can you imagine what that child feels like at that moment? Woo, baby! That is exactly what God does with us through his son Jesus. He adopts us. So if you're feeling like you are worthless and no good, you have been adopted by the God that created everything. That's pretty good stuff. Yeah, hallelujah. Now, here's one that everybody can identify with. You say I'm broken. I say I am broken. And every person here is broken. We've been broken. We live in a broken world. But God says, he makes me whole. Colossians 2.10. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. So you've been made whole. Notice the theme is through Christ. All through Christ. Now, here's one that everybody can identify. I've been rejected. Anybody ever been rejected? Oh, did you ever go through middle school? Yeah. Yeah. You were in junior high? Yeah. You understand what I'm talking about. See, I grew up, I was four years old. My parents got separated. I was six years old. They were divorced. And my father left the state. Now, my dad wasn't a bad guy. Love my dad with all my heart. We've got a great relationship. He, my mom wasn't bad mouth, and it wasn't a horrible, terrific thing. They, he just got divorced, and I had a broken home. But as I was growing up, I had this sense of rejection. It's not because my father said, I don't want you anymore, but circumstances. Dad wasn't there. You know, I'm trying to grow up, trying to figure out this man thing, and he's not there to kind of help me. And, and so this feeling of rejection, so I became angry. And I know a lot of people in life feel rejected in a lot of areas. And so when I got born again, I had a, I had a difficult time making that transition to, 
People, I mean, I had a wonderful pastor that kept telling me, Christ will not reject you. He will not reject you. And I had a hard time getting my head around it because I thought, if I could just be good enough, then I'll be accepted. And so, yeah, and so I just thought, man, I was an all-state basketball player, all UP football, if I could just be the greatest athlete that this town had ever seen, then, then I'll be accepted. And, and I really had a hard time making that transition to really understanding that Christ receives me as I am and where I'm at. When I finally got a hold of that, I was like, wow. I don't have to be anything. I just have to be his. And that is enough. I get an attaboy just because I said yes. Woo. I don't, you, mean, you, you mean I don't have to be the best preacher on the planet? No. I just have to be obedient. And I want you to get a hold of that. Because sometimes we get such a bad example on earth because even as, as a natural father myself, I come up short. And there's times my children may feel rejected because I didn't have time for this or that. But their heavenly father will never reject them. Never. It says in Isaiah 43.1, Do not fear, I have redeemed you, I have summoned you. You are mine. That's good stuff. Here's another one. I am alone, but God says he's always with me. Joshua 1.9, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You're not alone. And that's why I want to tell you, there's four things I'm going to talk about next week a little bit. I'm going to throw it in. I truly believe this with all my heart. I'm going to say these four things, and I'll get to them more next week. I'm not going to preach on them. I just want to encourage you with them that the Lord is kind of showing me. This, you need to reestablish... Or strengthen your relationship with the Lord. That's one. I believe every person needs to get tied into a local body. Why? For that very reason. Because in a local body, in a local church, you are not alone. I'll tell you what, I come here sometimes and I'm not feeling the best. I'm like, oh, I'm bummed out or this or that. And I get here, we get worshiping, and I get around people, and that brings encouragement to me. You need that. And not only do you need to find a local body to get hooked into, you need to get hooked into the vision of that local body and help that pastor make that thing go. Quit bouncing around all over the planet. Okay, I'll leave that one right there. Moving on. That was not for our internationals. That was for our locals. No. <laughs> that was for everybody. All right. People say I'm hopeless. But God says, because of him, I'm hopeful. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for good and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's for our young people. You have a future and a hope, but it's got to be in Christ. Get on the right path, please. I'm telling you, society, the world, your schools, your university, and listen, I'm a former school teacher. I'm not bashing schools, but I know what's going on there, and I know the influence, and I know how hard it is to swim upstream when everything is going downstream. Swim upstream anyway, because I'm telling you, your future will look much brighter than what you're, because what you're doing right now is imagine yourself with a great big wagon behind you, and you're filling that wagon up with something. It can be, for the next 20 years, you can fill it up with your own stuff. And then you really get truly on fire with God, then you've got to unload that thing. And it's got hurt and scars and wounds and brokenness along with it. Christ's way, you're filling up with godliness and goodness 
and, and hope and faith and all those things. So stay on that path. Now, this is one for this generation. You say you're purposeless, and, there's, and, and a lot of people are saying, we got a generation that have no purpose. I don't buy that for a second. God says you're created with a purpose and for a purpose. Esther 4.14 says this, and you, if you know the story of Esther, perhaps this is the moment for which you've been created. God is not surprised that you are on the planet right now. He's not like, whoa, I didn't know they would be there then. He's created you for such a time as this. Walk in it. Do you know, I just, I just, you know, this is the way my mind works. I'm thinking the apostles are up there saying, we get to heaven. They're going to say, what was it like? In the last days, you had all the authority, you had the power, you had the Bible, you had the book that we wrote, you had all the instructions. What did you do? I couldn't do anything. They made fun of me. Paul might take you to the backside of heaven and beat you. I don't know. <laughs> if there's such a thing in heaven, probably not. You know, this is a guy that was shipwrecked, stoned, beat, left for dead, all those things, shipwrecked three times, swift and all, chains, irons, and you're going to tell him, well, they made fun of me, so I couldn't really say anything. Go to the other side of the heaven. I don't want to see you for eternity. <laughs> yes. No, he'll, he'll greet you with open arms because, you know, Everything's good in heaven. <clears throat> Praise God. And again, get it right on earth. Or like I've told you, you might be living next door to me for eternity. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? Woo-woo! I just tell you, endless energy. I've got endless energy. And I'm not even on caffeine today. <clears throat> That's right. I drink decaf. Because my wife in the church won't let me have caffeine. Because they like to get out of here before 1 o'clock. <clears throat> oh, praise God. So here's another one. I say I have failed, but God says you're victorious. First, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's giving you victory. Walk in the victory. Quit walking in the death. I'm lost. God says he gives me direction. Isaiah 30, verse 21. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Yeah. Now, I know none of you probably do this. It's probably just me. I, I say I'm worried, anxious, or afraid. But God says, with him, I am peace-filled. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Okay, I'm winding down. i only got a few more. I see the airfield. I'm circling. Now, I want, to, I want you to understand this. People say, I'm unhappy. Now, I can't say this across the board, but the majority of the time when people are saying, I'm unhappy, do you know why? Because they didn't get their way. I am not happy in this church because the pastor made a decision that I didn't like. Anybody that owns a business knows exactly what I'm talking about. And let me tell you something. There are days I look at my wife with tears in my eyes and say, please, I don't want to make one more decision. I don't want to make another decision today. Because here's the thing. When you make a decision, 
You know that it doesn't matter what decision you make, somebody ain't going to be happy. And there's lots of people out there that are very vocal about how unhappy they really are. And so what do you have to do? You have to hear from God. You've got to get his direction. You have to make a decision. And you have to stand. Don't blame me because you're unhappy. But God says you are joyful and joy-filled. In John 15, 11, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. How many of you have ever seen somebody walking down the street with their joy overflowing? If you ever see somebody walking down the street going, Woo, I'm so excited. You know what the world will do? They'll lock them up. This person's crazy. No, they're joy-filled. We just don't see it very much. That's why, you know, I appreciated so much that you guys laugh at my jokes and things like that. Because church, man, we ought to have fun in church. If we're doing the death march through the door, why are we coming? Dum, dum, da, dum, dum, da, dum, da, dum, da, dum. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't you want to come to my church? Woe is me. Eeyore. Get excited about Christ. Woo, 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 woo. Yeah. Hey, I'm a fool for Christ. Whose fool are you? Yeah, joy-filled. See, people look at you funny when you're joy-filled. Like, I remember when I got born again, I was so excited, and somebody said, well, when you mature, you'll calm down. Still waiting for that maturity. I'm still immature, I reckon. I'm still mature because I'm, I have a blast. I love Christ and I love people most of the time. <laughs> yeah. When you say, I am afraid, God says you are powerful, loved, and you have a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. When you say, I'm nothing special, God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That makes you special. And so let me give you a little hint. If you think that people that are going to be coming in the doors these next years are going to be prize winning blue ribbon sheep, you are sadly mistaken. The Lord is going to touch them from the inside out. Now, we can make a bunch of rules to make them conform to what it is on the outside. But do you know that I can conform on the outside? You know, it's one of those, that story... I might be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. God will touch them inside. I don't care what they look like on the outside. Let's get them through the door, let Christ clean them up. Because we're going to have some people coming through the door. And that's okay with me. People, sick people go to the hospital, right? People that are broken are going to come here. We're going to get them delivered. We're going to get them healed. We're going to get them free. And then the last one. Many people say, I'm worthless. But God says, Jesus died because you are worth it. And you know this when John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So I'm going to ask you again, what are you going to allow to define you this year? What God says? or what some person out there says, or what the world says, or what the media says, or what your circumstances say, or what your pressure says. 
what is going to define you? I'd chosen to allow Christ to define me because everything I read, pretty good stuff. So here's what we're going to do. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. I'm going to ask anybody in here, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, or maybe you said a prayer a long time ago, but you know that I have not been living for Christ, and you want to say, hey, you know what? I want to get it right. I'm going to leave all this junk in 2019 going into 2020. If you want to make that relationship with Christ assured, I want you to raise your hand right now. I'm not going to bring you up here. I just want you to raise your hand, and we're going to pray with you. I want to give every person here an opportunity to come to know Christ so you can have everything that I'm talking about because everything that I'm talking about only happens through and in Christ. doesn't happen outside of Him. can't have any of this outside of Him. Sorry, you can't make it happen yourself. So I'm going to give you about 10 seconds. If that's you, 10 seconds. Raise your hand. See one. I see another hand. I see another hand. Praise God, we've got some hands. Praise God. Eugene, you come over here and pray with this brother here. All right, you can put your hands down. Got everybody, I think. So here's what we're going to do. Where's, is, is, where's Reverend Malport? Okay. Hey, Tom, could you get Gary, if it's possible? All right, here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to pray, and let's everybody just repeat this prayer. So that the people that have raised their hands know that you're not alone in this. And I want to tell you something. When we say this prayer, the Bible says all the angels in heaven are getting ready to rejoice. They're going to have a party in heaven. The least we can do is get a golf clap. We can get excited. You know, a miracle is getting ready to happen right here in your very midst. Somebody transitioning from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light is a miracle. So just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I know that I am a sinner and I need a Savior. And I receive Jesus into my life right now to be my Lord and to be my Savior. I believe that He died for me, that He rose again, and He's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for me. I receive you now in Jesus' name. Amen. If you said that prayer and you meant it in your heart, you confess it with your mouth, the Bible says you are now born again and in the kingdom of God. Let's give the Lord a big hand clap. Right there. That man right there raised his hand, prayed the prayer. It's good, man. And a couple others. Listen, we've got some, if, if that's you, if you're first time, we've got some material I want to give you, um, some things about your new life in Christ that you can read. And I want you to know, um, Gary Carroll, will you stand up, please? Tom, is your wife with you today? Oh, she's in there back working. She's in the Ministry of Helps. Um, Jamie, right here, and his wife. These are the elders of our church. If you have any questions, please talk to them. They will help you. They'll disciple you. They'll answer questions. You can certainly call me. There's another brother. You talk to him. we got some people around here. I want you to know that you are not alone. We don't want you to be alone. We want you to be a part. So don't get born again, say a prayer, and never 
never let us see you again. Don't be a missing person that we have to put posters everywhere looking for you. Seek Christ. I want to thank all of our international families for being with us today. You are a tremendous, tremendous blessing having you here. We thank you. You add so much to our services when you come. Um, I'm going to pray for the food in the back. And we do things in this church very decently and in order. The first one that gets back to the food is the first one to eat. But what we will do is after I pray, we'll dismiss our international families and visitors and guests to go on back and just go ahead and start. Um, let you guys to the front of the line um, because we so appreciate you and, and thank you so much for being here. Um, we pray that you are as blessed today being here as we were with having you. God bless you guys. Father, we thank you for the food. We ask your blessings upon it. Bless the hands that prepared it as we break bread and fellowship one with another. Lord, we just ask your presence to be with us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, God bless you. Have a great Sunday afternoon. Thank you so much for being here.